Today on the Forest City Church Podcast, Lead Pastor Eric Parks begins a new series titled, Teach Us to Pray. His message is titled, Why We Pray. So I was probably 19 years old, maybe 20, when I found myself in a church that um, uh, a girl that I was dating drugged me to. And uh, it was with a lot of trepidation that I showed up. And, um, but I thought, you know, I'm trying to impress this girl, and she goes to church, so I'm going to go too. Well, um, it was probably 15 minutes into the service when they do what lots of churches do. We just did it where um, they, they say, oh, we're so glad new people are here today. And, 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 and the pastor asked, if you're new, could you raise your hand? Well, it was a small church, maybe 120 people, so I raised my hand. And... Um, my heart started to race because I noticed the pastor with the cordless microphone begin to move down the steps of the stage toward me with my hand raised. And I thought, surely he knows he can't come talk to me in this church. I'm brand new here. This would be against all church protocol. Well, he certainly didn't get the memo and he moved toward me. And as he got closer, I began to realize he's going to talk to me. Well, not only did he come over and say, excuse me, aren't we glad this young man is with us today? And the whole place clapped. And I, of course, you know, I was like, okay, great. He then passed the microphone to me. And he said, can you tell us your name? And I was like, hi, my name is Eric, right? Which at the time, it feels pretty awkward, even if you like to talk to people. This is 110 strangers. And then he did what no pastor should ever do. He looked at me and said, would you like to pray for us as we take the offering? Pray for us? What was I going to do? Of course I was going to pray, and my heart was racing as I said those words, and I thought about that moment and how so many of us approach prayer in a very similar way. That prayer is this thing that we know as a follower of Jesus we should do. In fact, prayer has been marked as something disciples have done for thousands and thousands of years. Jesus did it. He commands us to do it, and yet, there's something in prayer that oftentimes, if we're honest, makes us feel that same sense of trepidation. What if I say the wrong words? What if I don't do it right? This is prayer for so many of us. I want to say a few things about the message today and really over the next four weeks. One, I'm incredibly indebted to a pastor, um, podcaster. His name is Tim Mackey. I'm really grateful for his work. And this week, I'm really indebted to Angie Addy for helping me with this message. I'm really grateful for you. Thank you. Thanks. Um. You know, here's what we're working to be as a community. We're not working to try to be a big church to get you to come out on Sundays. I'm not very interested in that. Now, I'm glad you're here. But what we're working toward is how do you and I become devoted followers of Jesus? That's what we want. What our communities needs is not more people who attend churches. What we need is people who follow Jesus. And so in an effort to try to understand how as a community do we follow him, 
we have to ask our thing, ourselves a few questions. Well, one is, well, what did Jesus teach us to do? Like, if we're really followers of Jesus, then what did Jesus teach us to do? And one of the things we know that Jesus taught us to do as followers of his is to pray. So I'm going to ask you, follower of Jesus, how's your prayer life these days? Some of you are already squirming. You're like, oh boy. See, I brought us to church, gonna start making me feel guilty. No, 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 no. That's not what we're doing. The truth is, there probably isn't a practice more essential to the Christian life and yet more essential to the Christian walk than prayer. And yet there's probably nothing more discouraging for most believers than prayer. That's just true. For some of us, man, you are prayer warriors. And we look on and we sit in admiration of your prayer life. But for most of us who are followers of Jesus, if we're honest, we often feel intimidated or maybe discouraged by prayer. This thing we know is at the center of what Jesus taught us to do as followers. We're discouraged by it. And so how do we then move past that to become people of prayer? Well, here's, here's good news. If you're discouraged or you've asked yourself the question, look, I don't even know what to do. How do I learn how to pray? You're in good company. Because even all the way back to Jesus' time, his disciples were asking the same thing. And in fact, over the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to take one central prayer and we're going to pull it apart. We're going to learn to pray together over the next four weeks. Now, I'd encourage you to make every single week a priority. Over the next four weeks, we're going to take the Lord's Prayer. Now, you can find the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11 or Matthew chapter 6. We're going to take this prayer and dissect it and pull it apart and learn together as a community of followers of Jesus, how do we pray? How do we do this? Now, here's what you need to know about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, which will be at the center of how we, we, we talk and, and how we preach over this next four weeks, the Lord's Prayer is absolutely, you're probably aware of this, absolutely essential in church history. In fact, you can go back for thousands of years in church history, and what you'll start to see is that there are three things that in most of church history, in most church settings, are preached regularly as discipleship tools. One is called the Apostles' Creed. Also, the Nicene Creed finds its way in this creed. It is what we believe, this creed. We have taught it for thousands of years, this creed, the Apostles' Creed. The second thing that has been part of a discipleship tool for thousands of years is the Ten Commandments. It teaches us how to obey. But the third part that has been crucial in church history is the Lord's Prayer because it teaches us how to talk to God. Now, there are two versions of the Lord's Prayer. So let me give you a little backdrop because I think oftentimes we'll see these and we go, why are there two versions and why are they a little bit different? Now, I, you can read commentaries and debate this one to another, but here's a simple explanation as to why you will see um, Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6, two different prayers. They're similar. It was because Jesus was an itinerant preacher. 
In Jesus' day, actually what Jesus would do, we, we see his life chronicled in the Gospels, but that's not every time that he spoke. In fact, he was an itinerant preacher, and he had certain messages that he would speak over and over again. Things that were core to who he was and what he did. And so Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6 aren't the same time. They're two different times that Jesus was preaching the same message. And being someone who speaks regularly, it makes me feel good that sometimes Jesus would find a message that really resonated and speak it over and over again. Because sometimes there's messages that, that I give and I'm like, I should never give that message again. It was a stinker. And a lot of you are like, yeah, no, I've sat through one of those. So the Lord's Prayer. Today, we're going to look just at the first section. If you have your Bibles, you can pull them out. I'm going to be looking at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Or you can pull out your phones and you can look at this. Here's what Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. And in verse 2, Jesus says this. He said to them, when you pray. Let's stop there. This is all we're going to learn today. You're like, we're going to learn when you pray? Yeah, because there is something happening in this tiny little verse that I think is a pretext we need to understand that if we're going to pray, we need to understand why is it that we should pray? Why? Because we've made the case that it's been littered throughout church history, that every disciple has been taught this. This is a mainstay of Christian discipleship. But the question is, why? Why is prayer so important? Well, Here's what you have to understand to understand what Jesus was saying to his disciples. So let's go back in time and, and, and review a little bit of what Jesus was saying to his disciples. Now, what we do know about anyone who came from Jewish descent is that at minimum, Jewish people were praying the Shema three times a day. They were already praying three times a day. Now, the Shema refers to a couple of lines in the book of Deuteronomy. It's in Deuteronomy 6. This was a daily prayer that ancient Israelites would pray. And it gets its name from the first Hebrew word in that prayer. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it is this section where it says, Listen, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Now, the English word for listen renders the Hebrew word Shema. So listen, Shema. This is what Hebrew would pray three times a day. And this prayer, it's one of the most influential traditions in all of Jewish history. The Shema has this function as both like a Jewish pledge and a Jewish hymn. These disciples, to this point, would have come up in this tradition this would have been a centerpiece in their life. And they would have prayed three times a day. Listen, Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your might. So Jesus' disciples were already praying when they come to him and say, teach us to pray. 
Jesus' disciples were praying this three times a day when they come to him and say, teach us to pray like John has taught his disciples. So when Jesus was beginning to lay out the Lord's Prayer, he was about to teach them something different. Because these disciples knew when to pray. But did they know why they should pray? You see, you look at (coughs) what was often the case with the Jewish tradition is that their prayers and the prayers that they would have seen in their religious leaders were oftentimes transactional and quite showy, right? Guys would stand up on street corners and they would pray these massive prayers so that other people would hear them. You ever been at a prayer meeting? It's like that moment where you know you know you gotta pray in front of a few people or maybe it's even just around the table and you're not thinking about what you're saying to God. Let's be honest, you're not at all thinking about what you're saying to God. You're just trying not to sound stupid. Anybody? You're like, I just don't want to sound stupid. I don't want to say something that gets me struck down by lightning or worse, my mom yell at me for saying that during a prayer. Anybody else feel that? Yeah, I know me too. There were right ways and wrong ways to pray and Jesus was saying, I'm going to teach you something brand new. You already know, praying three times a day, I'm gonna teach you something brand new. You you look in our modern context, and I think it's no different. In fact, Barna did some research, and it was somewhat encouraging. Barna did this survey, and it found that prayer is not only, it is one of the most common faith practices among American adults. 79% of people pray at least one time in three months. I mean, (laughs) so it's not three times in one day, it's one time in three months, but we'll take that. Here's what Barna found out, though, about how we view prayer. We primarily view prayer around things we are asking for. That prayer, primarily as Americans, as an American Christian, is solely focused on ask. What are we asking for? the things that we need in our life. In fact, we shouldn't be surprised because if you look at the English word for prayer, it's derived from a Latin term that actually means to beg. To beg. And isn't that often how we see prayer? The prayer is this thing that I go and I beg God for some need in my life. Now, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't ask God for things during prayer because it's quite clear. In 1 John 5, 14, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward them, that if we ask anything according to his will, he does hear us, right? And, And if we know what he hears in us in whatever we ask, we know that he, that we have the request that he would ask of him. In other words, he he will answer our prayers. So, so I'm not suggesting we shouldn't ask but I am suggesting it's more than that. Unfortunately, this is primarily how we've come to approach prayer. And even if you're not a Christian, you know, like when you're in trouble, what do you do? You ask for help. I remember um, in fourth grade being reminded of the power of the ask when it comes to prayer. There was this kid, his name was Mike Nordstrom. I grew up with Mike. And... um, 
growing up in church, we had tricks to get people to come to church. We did, I admit it. Um, They had a trick in Sunday school that if you could get one of your buddies to come to church, you would get these things called big top bucks, and you get 10 big top bucks. And the 10 big top bucks you could spend in the big top to get toys. So you got toys to get people to come to church, right? And at fourth grade, that seemed like a pretty reasonable thing to do. So I remember asking Mike literally for six months, will you come to church with me? Because I wanted big top bucks. I couldn't care about his soul. I just wanted big top bucks, right? I'm asking for big top bucks. Mike wouldn't come to church with me. And then we had a outing to Six Flags over mid-America. This was the Six Flags outside of St. Louis. I asked Mike if he would come to that, and Mike said, sure, I'll go to Six Flags. Well, we went to Six Flags, and uh, Mike did not grow up in a Christian home. He knows very little about prayer, those things of being a disciple, right? And we've established that prayer is core to being a disciple. But it's funny what happens when you find yourself in trouble. Because we got in line for the jet stream, which is this loop-to-loop, like, roller coaster. And... um, as we got close to the line, he seemed to get more and more nervous as we got closer and closer to the front of the line. And then we got strapped in and they had one of those things that pull over. And as soon as the thing went, there was like this, um, this panic that set into Mike that I could see. And I'm like, hey, bro, you good? And he was like, I've, I've, I've never ridden a roller coaster in my life. I'm like, oh, you've never been on one of these? He goes, no. And just then, the machine, you know how they do, they go, and then it makes that clicking noise all the way up, pink. And it's like, it, it literally does sound like you're going to a certain death. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. And each click was like a, a hammer reminding him, Mike, you are going to die. And I saw him in a moment become absolutely, he went from so far from faith to so devout in literally 15 seconds, he began to pray. <laughs> He's like, you could hear him going, oh God, oh God, help, help me get off this. <laughs> oh God, and then I heard him say, I promise you, I'll do right. I won't cheat anymore. I won't cheat on my homework. Oh God, I'll go to church with Eric. I'll go with him. <laughs> Of course, my ears perked up because I'm thinking, I'm going to get some big top bucks, right? <laughs> um, he knew to pray in this moment because he was in trouble. And for most of us, most of us, this is what our prayer life is centered around. These moments where we feel we have no control. We don't know where else to go. And so we come asking Unfortunately, for many of us who are followers of Jesus, this is all our prayer life has really ever been, a series of requests where we just ask. And it's why when we get into prayer meetings, many of you are like, I don't really like to pray because I run out of things to ask for. I run out of things to say. I don't know really how to talk to God. See, I think that our posture is no different than who Jesus would have been speaking to in those early days, that it was never postured appropriately. Their why was always about something other than what it was really about. If if this is centered to being a disciple, then what? 
What should our prayers look like? What was Jesus trying to teach us for a city? Well, if you look at the word that the Hebrew used for prayer, tefillah, which I think is close to how you pronounce it, it's derived from a word that means to judge. If you think about what prayer ought to be like, if, if it's not just to ask, it's not for show or the right words, then what is it? Authentic Jewish prayer required this. If it were real, it required a long, hard, honest look at yourself to judge. Like, for prayer to really, really be what Jesus intended, there is this transparency that has to happen. Like, self-reflection, when I come in, that I'm able to look at my whole self in the light of who God is and be honest with who I am. Not say the right words between me and God, but, like, if I'm really going to get prayer right Jesus is saying, you have to walk in and judge yourself. Like, this is who I am, all of me. I mean, prayer ought to be the place you can be the realest you in the whole wide world. Prayer ought to be the place where you can say, I really messed it up today. I yelled at my wife. She's really mad at me. I really goofed it up. Or I have these patterns. It isn't the place to hide it's the place to be fully you, fully transparent. And the failure of the Jewish leaders was that all of it was about appearing a certain way. That we would appear a certain way, we would appear spiritual, that they would appear on top of their game, they would say all these important words. And we do the same thing in our day. Where we come and we say certain things that we've learned we regurgitate spiritual vernacular, but it's not who I really am. I wouldn't ever talk like that. Wouldn't say those words. It's not who I am. It's why I love Jeremiah 29, 12. It says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. There's something in this that says to me, listen, speak to me in a way that you really are so I can hear you. I want to hear you, not these things you regurgitated because you heard a pastor say them. I want to know you, the deepest levels of who you are. I think the second thing that Jesus was trying to Articulate in the Lord's prayers. One, prayer is a place you get to be you, fully you. The brokenness, the fullness, all of it. But prayer is also this place that is deeply personal. The Talmud calls prayer, this ancient sacred document, a labor or a service of heart. Like, like prayer is supposed to be this place where it's deeply personal. Your thoughts, your emotions, your, your soul, like who you are. The idea behind prayer is that I get to come be me and I get to be in this personal thing with God, not an act. I was thinking about like if prayer is only where you come 
and show up and say all of these spiritual words where, where you put on some sort of spiritual show. Or, or maybe it's not even a show. Maybe you mean it, but it's just sort of formal. It would be like if all my wedding, all my marriage was just words that I used on my wedding day. Now, um, last year, now you're not going to see me for a couple weeks because um, last year we celebrated 25 years and because of COVID, we didn't get to trip. So tomorrow, my wife and I are going on our 25th anniversary trip. I'm glad you're clapping because I'm not going to be here. So when you're like, where's Eric? I'm gone and I'm not thinking about you. Um, but, but, but listen, if... If all our relationship was over the last 25 years was me in a circular pattern saying all of my formal vows to my wife every day, I can tell you we wouldn't be going on a trip tomorrow, right? That day was real and I said these formal vows about what I'm going to do and how I, I, I receive her and she repeated those vows back to me. It was a formal moment that was real, but if all we did was repeat those things to each other. And that was the extent of our relationship. We wouldn't have a relationship. See, we treat prayer similarly. Where we come in and we share all these formal things, like we do these formal practices, and we never talk to the Lord in any personal way. We never let him see who we are. We don't say it. We don't experience it. And then we're surprised. We're surprised that you don't feel connected to the Lord. You don't know what he really wants of you. You don't feel like you're in communion with him. I love the way the Apostle Paul says this. He says, listen, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. He's saying, listen, you have to get into this practice of being in communion with God. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Isn't as soon as you say practice, you've just formalized this thing that you're saying ought to be informal. As soon as you say spiritual discipline, you've made it now back into the thing that Jesus is saying, don't make it. No, that's not true. That'd be like telling my wife that because I plan a regular date night that I don't somehow love her. It is actually precisely because I scheduled the practice of date night so that we can spend time together that turns it into something relational. Now, if the only thing we do on our date night is repeat our vows to each other, it's not gonna go very far. This is what Jesus was asking of his disciples. You know, I was thinking about what does this mean for us as a community that strives to look like Jesus? That if prayer is something that we should be engaged in regularly, not out of rote, not out of routine, but sincerely a practice of communing with God, if we move from, this is one way to think about it, from asking to basking, we bask in who God is and what he does and he gets to know me and I get to know him. 
What does this, what does this look like for us? And I'm not, a, I'm not a photography buff, and anymore, you know, we have phones, so everybody takes pictures. But, you know, there wasn't a time all that long ago where taking photos, you know, you had to have a camera. You didn't just have a phone. And before that, you had to have a nice camera. And then before that, it was like specialized equipment. If you go all the way back to the 1800s, to the way that photography came about, you'll learn that the way that it worked is there was this pewter plate that was covered with bitumen and lavender oil. And then that pewter plate would be exposed to light. And the longer the pewter plate was exposed to the image, the stronger the image would burn on that pewter plate. I think this is how prayer works for us. When we expose ourselves regularly, and that means opening who we are up to the Lord, the quietness of our prayer closets, and then we have this personal thing, me and him, learning to talk with each other, sit with each other. What starts to happen is his image begins to be burned onto me. It isn't just that I have this counseling session where I get to unload who I am to God. No, no, when we're really in prayer, and this is why Jesus teaches his disciples to pray is his image gets burned onto us. If you've looked at your life and wondered, why are you not more patient? Why are you not more kind? Why is it that you're not long suffering? Why is it that you can't get over? Why are you still hurt? Why are you still stuck? I can tell you that prayer is your next step. If you really want to know what it feels like to live in the fullness of Jesus, prayer is your next step. If you've struggled and you do have sickness in your life, prayer is your next step. If right now it's the greatest day, the greatest week or greatest month of your whole life, prayer is your next step. Prayer is our chance to sit with the creator and let who he is be burned onto us. This is prayer. My question for us, Forest City Church, as I close is this. What if this month you tried to pray this way? Just like this. What if you stepped into this challenge to sit with God, bask with him, let him know who you are, and then speak with him in the way you might speak with your wife. What would it look like for you? And what do you have to lose? There are three things that I'm gonna ask you to consider. To consider as we charge into learning, being taught to pray the Lord's Prayer. Number one, one of the simple, simplest things you can do is regiment time to speak with the Lord. Now, I know a lot of you are like, I don't have 30 minutes. I don't have 15. Fine. You know, one of the greatest things you might do is as we learn the Lord's Prayer together, this is what I'm committed to do, 
is that I'm setting an alarm on my phone three times a day. And when that alarm goes off, all I'm gonna do is stop and pray the Lord's Prayer and then whatever happens out of the Lord's Prayer, let it happen. However we talk, me and the Lord. That might be for a few, uh, two minutes, it might be for 30. But three times a day, in the way of a disciple in Jesus' day, I'm going to set an alarm and pray the Lord's Prayer. You could do that out of Matthew 11 or Matthew 6 or Luke 11. But I'm asking you, what if you set an alarm on your phone and this month, three times a day, you prayed the Lord's Prayer? Number two, we are going to be having a prayer, uh, prayer and worship sessions on Wednesday nights for the whole month of September. So what if not only you set in, a, in this learning how to pray like Jesus taught his disciples, you set, a, you set an alarm and you prayed the Lord's Prayer three times a day. What if you came out on Wednesday nights at six o'clock in the chapel? Four City Worship will be there. We're gonna pray together. Um, we're gonna pray for some, we're gonna ask. There's sometimes when we will ask for things of the Lord, but we're gonna practice prayer together. What if you came out on Wednesday night? Now again, I'm not gonna be here the next two Wednesdays, um, because I'm going to be gone. But what if you did that? And then lastly, I think one of the coolest things we can, we can do as we pursue prayer as a community is to make our prayers be known one to another. In fact, Matthew 18, 19 says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them. Be done in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. What we've done is, on your way out, and I'm gonna invite every single one of you to consider. Going out, there's these prayer walls. They're right on the way out. There's this long prayer wall, and there's these white markers. If you do have something, you're looking for the Lord to deliver. If you have an ask, if you have a praise request, if there's, or a prayer request, or a praise request, or anything in your life that you want to put on that wall, I'm asking you, well, before you leave today, will you go and marker that on that wall? And here's what we're gonna do as a community. We're gonna gather around those walls regularly as a staff and pray for everything that's on that wall. So three things before we leave. Will you consider praying the Lord's Prayer three times a day, setting alarm? Number two, will you come out Wednesday night for our prayer meetings? Number three, will you put your prayers on that wall so we can join together in prayer? And then lastly, will you stand with me? So please stand. This series is gonna feel different. Um, we aren't ending with worship. We're gonna end every week at both campuses praying the Lord's Prayer together. Now, if you don't know the Lord's Prayer, then we're gonna know and you're gonna be in trouble. No, I'm totally kidding, I'm totally kidding. We're gonna put it on the screens. We're gonna pray this together and our prayer is that as a community, we really do learn how to pray. So let's pray this as we leave. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go in peace. We'll see you guys next week as we continue in the series. 
stop by the prayer wall. You've been listening to Lead Pastor Eric Parks with part one of the new series titled, Teach Us to Pray. Thanks for listening.